2: Whoo buddy! We can almost smell that Christmas dinner from here, y'all. Merry Christmas to all of bar grinders out there. Hope you got plenty of blessed family time and plenty of goodies for the next elk season. But in case you didn't, we're going to be a good partner and share ours. On tonight's show, me and the crew share our elk hunting gifts and lessons, our insights, muffs, nuggets, and greatest gains from the 2022 elk seasons. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. (laughs)
3: Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by Eldgroves.com with your host, Gilbert Ornellis, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell.
2: Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters, following us and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Rodellis, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining us tonight, we've got the whole Elk Bros crew with us. That's right, we've got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house, Mr. Luis Gonzalez and Manano Gratiron. We've got the silver Tongue devil himself, the newest one of our Elk Bros hunting coaches, Mr. Guy Duplanche's in the house. we got the legend, R.C. Knox, from Quest New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we've got our elk hunting coaches from Cimarron, New Mexico, WWJGD is in the house, and the ninja, Mr. Leroy Chavez, in the house. Hey, boys, <laughs> Merry Christmas. You
3: Merry Christmas, Christmas everybody. Merry
4: Christmas. <laughs> you can tell from that intro, man, we're feeling festive, eh? Absolutely, five drinks in, Joe <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, it's so uh it, it's so cool, uh, guys, because yeah, everybody knows we record this show a little bit early, so we're just ahead of Christmas, and the show is gonna come out, I think two days after Christmas, so we just wanted to wish everybody out there a merry christmas, merry christmas. and uh, and and with that, you know. We get to do our thing together, get to have some time together. I, You know, gosh, dude, we got to do something mm-hmm. where all of our families get together sometime, man. Money,
2: yeah. Yeah.
3: Yep,
4: we're do really like Christmas
2: in Vegas or something.
4: <laughs> Christmas in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, oh, man. Here in New Mexico, yeah. you, you, you tell them you're going to change tradition. we got to do, like, Christmas in April or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Hey, happen. man, they have to follow our lead, Joe. They'll be all right. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Just break it on them.
4: Yeah, yeah this is what we're doing so so who's gonna be hunting around Christmas and who's going yeah I'll oh, be yeah, hunting yeah, tomorrow going up uh, what are yeah. you chasing deer deer
2: yeah. yeah, yeah manano's got some big ones, man I'm telling you i got yeah. to i got to spend a week with them well, a few days last week with them up there and Oklahoma, and I'm and, telling you what, man, they've got some giants walking the walking the earth up there. Lots of pigs, but uh Big old got the grunt uh, tube out, and, the, and uh started grunting, and them deer come rolling out of the woodwork. And, and what happened, Beto? Did you ventilate one? I did. I ventilated <laughs> one of the A uh, perfect one, man. I let all the big ones go so Manano and Luis could shoot them, and I shot one that was barely on his last leg, man. How, he how have, far he, did he go? He didn't go 50 yards. I watched him fall over dead as a hammer. I mean, one of them bad Luis Gonzalez pills, buddy. I'm telling you. So we'll, uh, we got some video content on that. I did not get the shot simply because I was not prepared to. Well, what happened was when I called that buck in, I was not able to get my phone up and Holy. put it on the side of that blind, right? So. Um, We didn't get the shot, but I got the recovery. I got the hero part, the whole nine yards, so y'all get to see that Mm. pretty soon. Uh, I I gave it to Luis, and I I know my brother's been busy doing the the work thing, but I promise you he's got – Video that he'll be producing here and it's going to be stellar, man. I don't
4: know when you guys work, dude. Every time I see, man, I'm getting pictures from a blind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is our time of the year. This is our time of the year, but we got some stuff, funny stuff too that happened to Big O as well. They, they thought it'd be real funny to put me in a box blind and, and uh, let me shoot out the window of a box blind and everything. Yeah. Well, we found out how tough one of them Luis Gonzalez arrows and, and listen, I got to tell you, my boy down there, Guy Duplanchet sent out a recommendation first part of the year on a little broadhead named Cayuga. That's a bad mofo. Yeah, let me they tell are. you, are not only are they bad mofos on animals, they bad mofos on blind windows too. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, but still ready to rock and roll, sharp as ever, and we can
5: yeah. we can keep and right let, on. Let riding. me uh, clarify. We're talking metal windows.
2: Yeah, metal windows, son. <laughs> oh no, sure, yeah.
5: You oh, run in running the yeah. when I when I hit
2: yeah. that thing, dude? It, it sparks flew and the whole blind acted <laughs> like it erupted. It went day. about
3: six foot ball above the pig. Oh, yeah. but guess what?
2: It, he maintained yeah. a straight line. It just went. It did. Through. It didn't kick out one way or the other, man. Yeah. It just hit the window and it it could have been a pretty dangerous situation. But, <laughs> <Yes>. uh,
5: <laughs> no,
6: I had day, several but,
5: malfunctions, but he came out. He came out victorious. Yeah. He, uh, he sat on one of them <laughs> little chairs I have in the Papa blinds. And- Dude, it cratered
2: like a cheap <laughs> suit, buddy. I mean fell clean over backwards. I had a deer try to stick his head in the blind with me, dude. Like Bullwinkle, come walk right up to the blind and stuck his head in there like that, man. I'm like, what in the world is going on here, man? They uh, they got some of the coolest setups up there in Oklahoma, man. Guy, you'll have to come down and join us, man. It's a it's a neat place. Um, we got to see all of it. I'm telling you, every inch of that we got to walk, right? So, uh, because these old boys here
5: shooting hogs and shooting deer, we got we to- We shot check. the biggest hog. You did. That we've ever shot in that place. Manano yeah. smoked it. It was 10. Two, 237 pounds. That's, Ooh, a big there, that's, boy. A,
2: that's a big hog. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of guys tell, oh, I shot a three or four hundred pounder. Come on,
5: man! I mean, you just don't get that big in the wild. Now, you just don't have a tripod with the thing to weigh it yeah. to to really right. tell. And, and, and some,
2: some guys, you know, pigs that are around agriculture and that have been neutered and stuff like that, they'll get bigger. But these wild boars and stuff, they just don't get much bigger than two hundred twenty pounds. I mean, it's, this this was a big, a big, huge, big. Oh, dude. That's
4: a big I big. mean, <laughs> a monster. And you man, we had some fellows on our podcast. Yeah. Not too long ago, talking about a broadhead, and we really grilled those boys, man. Did I mean, put them we through the really just you know, really ask them about it, and and talk about the proof in the pudding. And and you purchased uh, some of those broadheads, and you've been using them, right?
2: I did in, and, and you know, oh, yeah. so look, these boys didn't send me anything free or anything like that. I actually pe- spent my own hard earned money mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I said, well,
1: if, yeah, yeah, look at the size of them. Look at pig. the coloration on that. Isn't that's it cool. A, hey, that's a
2: badass pig. So he's having yeah, his shoulder uh, mounted guys. So it's going to be oh, a yeah, good looking cool. like awesome. really cool, awesome. oh, oh, man. Nice. Super proud of Manano. Mm-hmm. So these cats call me the night they stick this pig, right? And they're like, Beto, you need, I'm in South Texas. just got I got done cooking on two rigs and everything. They're like, you need to come up here and come join us. And I said, all right, y'all get ready. I'm coming. They're like, uh-uh. I'm like, uh-huh, I'm coming. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, but that's like eight or nine hours. I said, y'all be ready. I'll be there about eight o'clock in the morning. And, uh man, I put put it in the wind, had to catch me a nap somewhere between Bowie and South Texas. But I caught me a little nap, and I was there by the time they got up in the morning to mess with that hog. So, um, it was a fun trip, man. Anytime you're with these cats, you're going to have a big time. They're going to feed nah, the shit we had out of you. Last. They're going to make you throw up in the middle of the night because you ate too damn much. <laughs> I said, well, I could stay in South Texas and hunt by myself and go see the same old deers and stuff like I'm trying to find some deers from my Kids and when they're coming from, from college and I said, Oh, I could go spend some real quality time with some of my brothers. So I pointed that big four to mine north and here we went, man. So uh, we had a blast, but I wanted to tell, get back to what Joe said. Uh The guys from Tooth of the Arrow Broadheads came on our podcast and. You know, they're a new company starting out, American company. And, you know, I, I always want to support American products, American made, and I, I want to do that. So I, you know, I didn't ask them to send me anything or anything like that. I just reached out and ordered some broadheads from ordered S series and V series. Uh, ordered 125s and 150s. Uh, wanted to see which one I like better. And I shot that deer with a 150 S series. And I'm telling you right now, brother, it knocked a big hole in that big Oklahoma whitetail. And this Oklahoma whitetail was a horse, man. I mean, it's a really mature buck and. But it did, it, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to move a little step further and move on to hogs and see how they do, man. But I'm hoping to have these guys like in my quiver next elk season. And I know Cole, our, our brother Cole Wilkes did kill his bull this year with one of the tooth of the arrow broadheads. So I I'm pretty, so- I'm pretty impressed with his. If you go to his YouTube site and check out what he did with the, with the uh, tooth of the arrow broadhead and him shooting through shoulder blades and antler horns and all kinds of things. You know, it's uh I think it's gonna be a, a viable head. They built it out of one piece of solid carbon or steel and I think it's gonna be a real viable option uh for us going forward. And I look I you can look in my quiver right now, I got five different broadheads in there because <laughs> I wanna see what I what I'm what I'm liking. You know, I got kudu, I got Cayuga, I got Muzzy Trocar, I got a wasp uh, Havlon, I got uh, what else, Luis? Tooth Ooh. of the Arrow and Cayuga. So. Try the Tooth of the Arrow, right? Yeah, right. the Tooth yeah. of the Arrow broadhead. So, uh, you know, this this a target-rich environment we got down here in South Ooh. Texas, so we're going we're gonna to put uh, them all together. I,
4: I to think you. a good point to make about that, though, bro, is, is like you said, you got all those different broadheads on these arrows, but all yeah. these broadheads are all hitting the same place. And uh, <laughs> For there's that? a
2: reason for that that man right there at the bottom of the screen <laughs> Mr. Luis Gonzalez he builds such a good arrow that is tuned, knock tuned shaft tuned and then broadhead tuned and I'm telling you when I shoot it out of that uh, Matthew's helium of mine. And look, my bow's old. It ain't new. That bow's, you know, eight, 10 years old. Uh, but I'm telling you, it's bad medicine when you put the right things together. It's just like, you know, when you're shooting a rifle and you go to hand loads and you're working up a load for your rifle. It's just, it performs a lot better. These arrows, don't matter what you screw on the end of it, they fly like a dart, you know, and yeah. there's no wasted energy. And, uh, we, you know, we've, and you asked Luis, we've, intentionally made shots that aren't really the right shot to make right. on these big hogs and stuff to make, just to, to, see what, yeah, right. to see what we can do. Right. Yeah. And uh, some of it's worked out and some of us taught us that it don't matter what we put on the end of it. That hogs uh, plate is just impenetrable, man. I mean, Louise shot one the other day with a gum 700 grain arrow or something like that. And, Man, no winno. I mean it he right. shook it off like a bad case of the fleas, you know.
4: Really? So on it, wasn't that a opposite side though? I mean a punch first side but stuck opposite side.
5: No, this this was um I think he's talking about a hog last year. Uh he oh, okay. was massive and and this one it's probably bigger than the one Manana shot. <clears throat> this is in in like Corpus Christi area. On this close location.
6: Yeah. And uh, he
5: was quartering, <laughs> he was quartering towards and I purposely shot him, um but, kinda, I was trying to shoot him between the uh, shoulder and the neck, yes. but my shot went a little bit to the left and I hit that shoulder, not, yeah. that, that shoulder. Yeah, but the, like, like the big plate, uh, plate knuckle, I don't know. It yeah, just, that
4: knuckle right there. It's yeah.
5: super hard bone. The only thing that Arrow didn't have, it was a, a single bevel broadhead, but the rest of it, was a, a very heavy arrow, um, and yeah, man, it, it, it probably penetrated four inches and went. Yeah. Have and you guys got, noticed
1: with, with the older bores that the scar tissue adds yeah. to? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we're saying. Shoulder. It has,
5: they have this plate and. Um, the one manano killed this weekend. That plate was probably close to two inches thick. More, more, bro. Yeah, it was
6: like yeah. And you like know, another thing
5: is we just found that on it. depending
2: <laughs> on where you hit these animals is so important. Luis shot a, a deer this past weekend with a with a single bevel, uh, and he shot him up high in the shoulders, and it did not go all the way through. And I mean, it, Luis shoots a six hundred and some grams of seven. Went through the
5: grams. first, but didn't go through the second.
2: Right. It, it, it usually, jammed on the second shoulder. That doesn't usually happen, man. Usually, I that's thought that was different. six inches, Joe.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! What in the world? <laughs> uh,
7: Take that, Joe. Take
2: that. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was. very evident that uh, you know, when, you hit, uh, when you hit heavy bone, even when you've got everything in your favor, a lot of times it don't work out. You know.
5: Yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes even Plan B.
2: Yeah. Hey, so, one, it, again, we go back to everybody that uh, talks about boho, it's all about shot
4: placement. Absolutely, you know? man. All That's why it's so critical, placement. man, to be able to get that in. And then having
2: an arrow that performs when you put it in that shot placement. You
4: know? Yep. Yep. you know, the the
1: one thing that, that I take away from that more than anything is the fact that you guys are out and you're exploring the options and you're tinkering and you're yep. messing around with the setup. And getting that learned experience, right? I, I think as as archery awesome. hunters, uh, we we tend to get a little bit scared about, you know, setting back in and I got to recite and I got to do, but that's mm-hmm. part of it, right? Sure. And, and as you advance, and then I think, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luis, but I think that's kind of what spawned this little bit of, besides the engineer brain, this passion in Luis to build the arrows and, you know, to see what's
5: possible. The failures. After,
1: yeah, it's it's a
5: huge deal. The, the failures know. is what sprung it, right? I mean, just just tired of of not getting the results right. I was expecting, right? And trying to understand what was going on, and just just get, trying to get my head wrapped around it, and and I look, it it continues to happen. I tell people it's like this. It keeps you, this sport keeps you so humble, man. I mean, even when you think that you're super confident with the arrow set up and the bow set up and the shot that you place, you know, it has a way to remind you it's like, mm, not today.
2: Yeah. I want to, I want to <laughs> say another thing that this year's really taught me. I didn't get to shoot a lot last year because of my injury, right? So normally, man, I'm pretty polished. Well, this year I'm finding and look, my son's the one who's who brought it to my to my uh to my attention. And then Luis did too when they were watching me shoot in the video. I'm I'm not patient. I'm letting that arrow go way too quick, right? And uh from draw to finish. And for me, man, that's been like my bread and butter. I've always been a patient bow hunter. Wait for that animal to get just right send it when I know it's in the right spot right now and I tell you the reason why I've rushed a couple times because I've been at full draw for a long time and I'm still not back to 100% strength when I'm holding that thing back I I was probably held on that buck I shot in South Texas I probably held on him Mm, two minutes. I mean, it's a long time, you know, when you're That's holding that thing time. back. Yeah. And, and then when he walked back in and he barely stopped, man, I was like, oh, oh, oh. you know, I let it go anyway. And I was just not patient enough. Right. And, uh, and then when I look back at the bet, the shot I made this weekend or this past weekend when I was, with Luis and them, I had all day. I drew my bow, painted my name on the side of that sucker, settled it in where I wanted it to be. He he had his head down eaten. and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna shoot him with his head down. I'm gonna let him get his head back up. And that big ten point walked in behind him. And when the big ten walked in, he lifted his head up and turned his
4: head away. And poof, I sent it then. And so just just I know this is a elk hunting deal yeah, here. Yeah. But tell everybody why you waited for that head to come up, bud.
2: So whitetail and most all animals, when you're in between that number one, that window between 22 and 35 yards, that's where they can really react the best, right? When you're inside a 20, most of our bows nowadays fly between 240 and 300 feet per second. They can't really react as fast, 20 and in. Anything twenty-two into thirty-five, they really can react a lot. And they where their heads are down, their bodies are in a position where they can really go lower. As soon as they react, everything goes down further. I mean drop a foot. When their head's up, they gotta get their body down to go lower. So whitetails, mule deer, anything that's uh that's got that's you know, Think think of it as a lever.
5: You yeah. know, the, think of it as a lever. It, it, it's, it's like action forward, reaction type thing, right? The head is down. It's a lot easier for me to do this. That if my head is up here, for me to drop the whole arm is is more difficult. So yeah. the so the head serves as the uh, you know you bring the head up as I bring my body down. It, yeah. it makes it helps me duck a lot easier than if I'm fully standing up and trying to now bring the whole body down. You're only depending on gravity. You don't have leverage.
4: Yeah, we've actually seen that on video. We've seen when the animal's head is down, and when they hear the noise, as they throw it up, it inversely makes their bodies go down. Whereas when the head is up, it's a whole because they're just trying to get ready to move, and Mm -hmm. it's a whole lot harder for them to get. It's just like a sprinter, man. You know, a sprinter in a down position or a lineman in football in a down position can explode, uh, you know, and move their body. Whereas to to your point, in track.
5: When they when they're getting ready to sprint, where are their heads and their hands? They're on the ground, right? I mean, and and then they just take off running. None of them takes off running standing up.
2: Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's the same thing with the with animals that are on four legs. I mean. Elk don't tend to drop. They pivot, you know. They tend to pivot in their motion, right? (laughs) But you, if you watch enough elk hunting videos, you will see them pivot down with their head down if their head is down. The problem is 90% of the time when the elk walks in, he don't have his head down. He's got his head up and he's looking, right? Or when you cow call to them, they're going to turn broadside. Deer are not like that. They're feeding and all kinds of other things. So for us, it's really important for us to wait Be patient on that right time. And that's another thing is when we looked at Luis and Manano this past weekend, their shots on those deer, they were a little rushed. They weren't, they weren't settled, right? And when you rush something in bow hunting, generally it's not going to turn out good.
4: And speaking of body behavior, because you brought it up with the elk, for our listeners out there, bull elk, when they're coming in, have a little fake move that they make, and they do it to be able to identify if there's a predator close to them. And what they'll do is they'll go down like they're feeding and never start feeding. They're just going down looking for movement, and yeah. if they catch white something, tail do boom. White, chill, uh-huh. yeah, the white uh-huh. tail does
5: the exact same thing. You bet. Yep.
4: Yeah. So you know that's something for you to be aware of if you come in, you see an elk start just sticking its head down, that doesn't mean that it's getting ready to hide. It's actually looking you know to see
2: yeah, we've had a great uh off season of hunting that's for sure, as far as not hunting elk you know uh it's been awesome. I know guy's been doing some deer hunting up there in Colorado, and uh
4: yeah, you know, guy, congrats, man that was yeah, awesome. congrats on, mm-hmm. your, on And your so big what are you going to hunt deer? next, dude? Cause you said I you went and saw.
2: got my – yeah, I
1: got a fur bearer permit, so go hunt some bobcat. And then I went and took my mountain lion test, so I got a mountain lion tag. I'm like,
6: Sweet, I dude. I not get
1: into for that. So I Sweet. got – that's a long tag, too, man. It goes yeah. until, I think, March 31st. That's really wow. cool. So I'm going to go and chase one with my bow for a
5: while and, you know, see what I could do.
2: Beast, yep. how about you get this party started and head over to our Elk Bros mailbox, brother?
5: Sure, man. so we got Mr. Justin Baker from San Diego, California. He says, what's up, bros? Thanks for all you fellows do. Uh, love listening every chance I get. Uh, here's my question. On one of your shows, I heard you say you often use low audible elk sounds. Why and when do you use them? And do elk respond with the same sounds to let you know they are coming
4: in? Okay, so let's let's break this down, man, because mm-hmm. it's like – um. It said he said that we often say we use low audible elk sounds. So he's talking about what? He's talking L- about little calf calls and little cow calls.
6: Well
4: and raking. Right. Mm, so we're using those low dunking. audible sounds and even muse, um, mm. those types of things. And when we're thinking about loud sounds, you know, we're we're generally Talking about location type bugles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things where people are ridge running, but one of my favorite things to do, even man, this year, just chuckle. that, <laughs> just <Yes>. that <laughs> the little chuckle,
2: dude. Just yeah. that
4: little chuckle, man. <laughs> Low audible level chuckle. Yeah. And so he, he says, um, Why and when do you use them and do elk respond with the same sounds to let you know they're coming in? So. Um, yes and no on, on that second part there, I would say. Season but,
5: depending as well?
4: Um. The animal depending. Situation yeah. depending. Yeah, so you know, RC it. had us
5: get ready – I didn't
2: hear it, but we were up on the side of the ridge, and sure enough, we had a bull that came in. But he he told he heard something that was very low audible sounding. Right, I didn't hear it, but RC picked up on it, and I don't know if the bull was glunking or he just heard him kind of moving through the brush, but he heard it before I did. He goes, get ready, because that sucker's coming right now. You know, and and I have picked up on what RC hears, right? And, and he was right. You know, we had him clinking in them rocks down below us. And then he heard him wind his horns through the cedar branches, and that's very low sounding. But man, yeah, they they give themselves away, and you'll hear them. You'll hear them do that little grunt when they're coming. You know, they'll kind of. It was not a chuckle, but it's more like a, you know, and and here they come. You know, this year, Joe. That's how I knew that bull was coming down to us when you called him in. He never did bugle or anything, but he went just. Like that, and I mean that's all he—that's the only sound he made, but very, very low sounding, gr- guttural, you know. And a man, I was like, "What is that?" And I looked up, and man, here come Bullwinkle down through the, the timber, you know. So yeah, they they use a lot of low sounds, and for me, I think when you're around pressure dealt, the low sounds sometimes are better than the big b- bold sounds, you
4: know. I I agree,
2: hundred percent. There's
4: some places. So, guy, why and when do you use them?
1: You know, for me, it's been when the pressure is on,
4: yeah.
1: um, when, when the woods get full and you got, you know, six or seven trucks parked within 200 yards and everybody jumps out and they're on the, on the bugle tube and they're piping off, man. The elk tend to want to shut up a little bit. They get wary. Um, and, and in our camp, when we were at adventures camp, when me and Mike were out, man, we heard shh, four, five, six, just real low whines, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm here, you know, 50, 60 yards off. Oh. But it's, for me, it's really been when, when the pressure cranks up is is where I see um, it come into play and you get more of a response on those low audibles. And I love them. I mean, something like raking, yeah. you know, but I'm going to just, I'll caveat it. If you're going to rake, you better have a dang good setup. No dang doubt. good setup. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Well, and- yeah, I'll go back to when Larry and I were taking a nap, Joe, and I heard something kicking around in front of me. I was like, bear. And I opened my eyes up. I'm like, man, it has got to be a bear <laughs> making that kind of racket coming up. And I looked up, and there's a main 35 yards, a big dark elk mane walking up. There's three bulls walking up, right? Well, I couldn't just raise up and go, Larry, bull. <laughs> you know what I mean? We blow the whole setup, So I got to let them walk by me. Right, and then get Larry up. I have to throw a big old log over there and hit Larry while he's asleep, and and it woke him up. And I said, "Boo, boo," and I was pointing over in that direction. He looked over there, and he goes. Oh, wow! So he rolls over, gets his stuff ready, and then I gotta let him get on past before I try to call him back. Well, I couldn't just go yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd have scared the dog shit out of those bulls, right, so man, I just pointed my mouth down just as low as I could get to the ground, and yeah, like it was a long way off, you know, and i I just started doing something really low. Man, next thing you know, they got their heads up and they're looking around, and they just beelined it straight back to us, right? But if you jump up there and holler a bugle or a big loud cow call, they're right on top of you, you know. So it really takes you finessing things to to get them really <laughs> to respond, you know.
4: Yeah, and and when they when he asked why and when, you know, uh, you know that's like. um Luis said it sometimes depends on the season. Yeah. You know, what What he's saying is basically early season. A lot of those elk are really quiet early season, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of, um, bull mews, you know, that are taking place. There's a lot of raking taking place. There's a lot of things where bulls let each other know where they are. There's another bull in the country in there as well. But, I think a lot of people, if you talk to a lot of people, everybody said, well, that early season rolled really long this year, man. Because, I mean, we were in what we particularly – I mean, we were late season, and we still had bulls that were – you know, that were just using low chuckles, you know, mm-hmm. once once they Pressure. were what, what I would call like contact chuckles. I mean, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they were feeling things out. And another thing that they'll do low level is, and people don't realize that they hear a mew and they think that's a cow elk coming in yeah. till, and it's a bull out coming in. And it's just sometimes this is the smallest sound in mew that you'll hear when they do mm-hmm. that, you know, with each other. So I think Really myself, I think the low level audible sounds, and where I, where I worry about this is when you make people think that if they do just a rake, or if they do just a low chuckle, or if they do, you know, there's no like silver bullet. You know, you gotta take a look at the situation, and sometimes it's, for us, you know, we always talk about scenario calling. Um, there's times when, yes, you want to sound like a single animal, but there's times when we want to sound like multiples. So we'll use low-level level audible sounds for that, whether it's a couple of cow mews and then sounding like a bull raking in the area. Things that – why I use it is so that other bulls are not able to identify how big I am as a bull if I'm going to introduce a bull. As soon as if, – if I'm doing cow calls – I want to stay with cow calls unless the situation defines that I've got to introduce a bull. Let's say that that bull is hanging up. Me and Luis talked about this years ago, man. If a bull's hanging up and he doesn't want to come any further, sometimes it's because he's calling that cow to him and the Mm -hmm. cow's not coming. So we have to introduce a reason as to why that cow's not coming. So I'm going to introduce a bull. So do I want to scream a bugle to do that? No, because now either I'm going to match with him or he's going to think he's a bull that can match with me. You just want to call that cow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I just want to bring that booger. So I want to identify that there's a bull there but not give away how big that bull is. And I can do that with raking. I can do that with just a just – Just a little short chuckle. There's no way of identifying that or the demeanor really of that bull. Is that bull displaying because that other bull made a noise or for that cow? And when they Mm -hmm. hear that, that interests him in what's going on in that elk situation. So, it's a
2: straight up invitation, you know. You know.
4: Yeah. Now, Joe, I, I okay. have I have seen when bulls respond, screaming out another bullet, they'll follow up mm-hmm. with a chuckle mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You yeah. know. Oh, yeah. So, I you know I read that and I'm like, okay, is he like? screaming at those girls that I'm the man and oh, 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 stay here with me. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but you know I've definitely seen that as well. But I I think the low level stuff is not the same old rodeo. It's different than what these animals are hearing all along the ridges all the time. What they're seeing when they bust a hunter uh, when they're screaming. And here's what a lot of hunters do too, and it's a huge mistake. And it's a hard one not to do is that if you are in a situation where the wind's in your face, sun's at your back, and you startle an animal and they go off, yes, cow call, stop that animal. But if you're in a situation where all of a sudden that wind caught off and a animal starts blowing out, a bull starts blowing out of there, a cow starts blowing out of there, and you cow call at them, you've just educated them. So um, they there there's a lot of times when this is happening guys are screaming those bugles animals are smelling them and they're relating that so to change yeah. up the situation is very very effective this yeah. year when i killed my bull why did i use low level because i have been following a, whor- a herd not making a noise just <laughs> tracking their I got track <laughs>
3: What? <laughs> Nothing, Joe. Keep
4: Answer going, Joe. Sorry. Keep going,
7: Joe. Yep. You got we it. Know,
3: we know who heard it. <laughs> it, took, it, it. Took me a while, but I
1: got it now. I mean, I would, Joe, can I jump in? So, yeah. you know, Justin, what, what I would, what I would say with everything that, that Joe said, you know, and the other guy said, you know, dip your toe in the water, brother. If you're wondering when the perfect time to use that is, add them to your repertoire and dip your toe in the water. And you can see what's effective for you and and how it works. I mean, you're, it's going to be a better education in my opinion. Um, but I think yeah, it should definitely be in your repertoire, and it shouldn't be something you're you know you're scared to use. And then what's right is when it works. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. you don't know until you Sometimes that Sometimes you got to get in the
4: bag of tricks, the <laughs> yeah. whole
1: bag. The more you got to go in, in elk,
4: the whole bag. The more yeah. you're in elk and experience them doing this stuff, the easier it is for you to pull from it and to do Yeah. Yeah, stuff.
2: yeah and- I mean, we couldn't we couldn't get real loud on Tom's bull either because the area we were in was so limited. So I just told him, hey, man, we're going to throw out a little few little calls and just let them marinate. We're not going to be loud, you know. Just going to barely call, cow call. And once that bull left, twice. Bull left twice. The only way to get him back, little low chuckle, man. You know, and he had to come back to see what was up.
4: And they don't always let you know they're coming. They don't. Other than you might hear their foot on a rock or Mm -hmm. a branch break or something like that. Sometimes they're coming in silent. can be very quiet, man. They'll be on top of you. You won't even know it. If you're putting on a scenario... You better have an aerial uh, an aero. <laughs> if you're doing a scenario, you better have an aero an aerial knock. <laughs> I
2: saw, <laughs> aerial I, I saw <laughs> like I'm five I got knocked. Ask me and Knox how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Two years in a row. Two yeah. years in a row we ain't got an knocked, right? Yeah. The <laughs> bull I killed in Colorado, he walked in on us I mean, silent as a lamb. Never made a sound, walked in there on us, and I happened to turn to my right, and he's looking right at us. I'm like, oh, God, boys, don't move. There's a bull walking in, and they're like, huh? I'm like, right there to our right, man, right over here. There's a bull walking. They're all like, oh, we're videotaping ducks in the pond, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh they can come in and delay.
5: they don't make a lot of sound.
4: Yeah. Know, they, they
5: they came in quiet. to Manano when he was taking a dump and waved high. One they should do like. All right, uh, Gil,
4: that's our cue, man. Move us <laughs> uh, They should do
1: like like Elk Bros. Uh, Gil quote shirts or something. You know, silent as a lamb, smack yeah. in the face like <laughs> a <movie laughs> pooper. We went down to Ternage. Ternage.
2: A, Trenas, Trenas. a one-legged Trenas. Trenas. wooden Indian on an Elk Bros shirt. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what time it is, right? What time is it, Gil? Time for the shout Elk out, Bros out. shout-out. Out. Out. If you're new to our show, this shout-out to our followers in a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe.
4: Yep, yeah, first up, a shout-out to Big Bubba Bowden. I believe that. Would that be Bowden? Mm-hmm. It's uh big Bubba Dan. Bodine. 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 Okay.
6: Bodine.
4: For his review on Apple Podcast. Bubba, <laughs> not only did we appreciate your kindness, Bud, but you happened to give that review on my birthday. Yay. So Yeah, man. So um do me a yeah. favor, send me your info to Joe at Elkrose.com. Um, because you were so nice, right. to give us a gift, I'd like to give you a gift to celebrate that. And we're going to set you up with a one year subscription to our academy. Wow. Man. And uh, mm-hmm. a grinder elk diaphragm, bud. So, man,
3: thanks,
2: uh, Santa Claus, man. Look,
3: he's got Santa, the on everything.
2: Hey, yeah.
4: I got the hat on, man.
2: Hey, all right. Yeah. Talk, uh, talk about <laughs> the right timing right there. Bubba, yeah. Mr. Bodine, we appreciate you giving us a, a review brother thank you so Absolutely,
4: much man. all oh, y'all man if you take time and give us those ratings and review it, it means a lot to us so now for our top cities our number one top listening city this week was founded in 1869 and was once the site of the missouri confederate soldiers home After the last Confederate veteran died, the land was converted into a Confederate memorial cemetery with more than 40,000 Missourians buried there. After the Civil War, with immigrants fleeing their homeland for opportunity, the local German-American culture thrived here and throughout the state. And this is in Higginsville, Missouri. Higginsville, Missouri,
2: the middle of the United States. They got elk in Missouri, Joe. Yes, sir. Got elk
4: in the Ozarks. You know, I got people sending me photos of elk in Kansas. I just did a post um, this morning. uh, Unbelievable. Congratulating uh, Austin uh, Prescorn for... Brought it back to the 505, baby. um, One of six people to hunt the first harvest, the first hunt. Six tags in Virginia. And these are the first elk harvested since eighteen fifty five in that state, since before wow. the Civil War. And they brought this, them from
2: Kentucky, didn't they, Joe?
4: They they did, absolutely. Uh-huh. Which man, that was a smart move because it's just you know, not too far away from where that is and those animals are kinda acclimated to that kind of country, built up mm-hmm. resistance to those areas. Very, very smart when they did that. And um started with seventy one adults and four calves um in 2012 and they now had their first hunt did a lottery system for three of the tags they auctioned one of them and uh, Austin, his dad actually um, won that tag in the auction, gave it to his son and uh, Austin Bull his his dad called that bull in in Virginia with a Carlton Cow call and uh, Austin shot it and they just finished uh, waiting the dry period and Boone and Crockett scored it at 433 and 58. Giant
2: bull, wow. dude. Giant bull. Wow. Rivals all states for the biggest bulls they've had. That kid is oh, tainted forever, is the only problem yeah. I see. That, with huh? that. If y'all haven't seen it, go to our Instagram page and you yeah. can see it. I'm telling you, man. Crazy, crazy beautiful bull. Yeah. Beautiful bull. And a wow. guy's from Albuquerque, New Mexico, in yeah. joke.
4: And what yeah. a great family. I mean I've I I know the prescorns, I know Bo, I know Mason. I've met the family. Mason uh um is an incredible hunter himself. Mason hunts out of a, a motorized uh wheelchair he has a debilitating disease that uh, is, uh, makes it difficult for him to operate, and that kid hunts everything and anything he can, and, and he's phenomenal. So, and Bo is just filling these boys' lives up with incredible memories. So um, my hat's and off I... to that whole family. It really is. Congrats to them. Mm-hmm. Chavez.
8: Okay, with nearly 2,000 acres of park, this city is known as Wisconsin's Park Place. The Rock River, many nearby lakes, parks, and recreational facilities offer a myriad of recreational opportunities throughout the year. The city was named after a local settler to the area after the Black Hawk War of 1832, and this is in Janesville, Wisconsin. Janesville, Wisconsin. Anybody know,
4: have have any idea where Janesville is?
8: I don't.
5: I been to It's in uh, the state of Wisconsin. <laughs>
4: uh, now so, we see why you lead that group, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, just
5: answer the question, man. <laughs>
6: well played, brother, well played. <laughs> All
1: right, this city is named after a pub and inn standing strong since as early as 1840. On a swinging sign in front of the hotel is painted a red lion. The town's name is the most common name for a pub (laughs) and originates from the king, uh, excuse me, from the time of King James the first of Scotland, who declared that the red lion of Scotland will be displayed on all buildings of importance. Red lion, Pennsylvania.
4: Red lion.
6: Pennsylvania.
4: That's an incredible name for a pub in Minnesota, all kinds of places there. I bet they have some swinging pubs, man, if they've been going since 1840, man. (laughs) Any guesses where it is? Hmm. Not for me. I, I, I know exactly I, where it is. Pennsylvania, bro. There
1: you go. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, wait, guy.
5: What's going on
4: here, uh, Hey brother? I'm following your lead, man. I'm just I, answering your know, question. Nobody's <laughs> paying attention.
3: There's there going to be not. a test. There's going to be a, a test. test. <laughs> what?
4: We are just dumbing down, man.
3: At least <laughs> I'll
1: take where is it for 400, please. Yes.
2: <laughs> it's, up in the north, it's up in the northwest corner, man. Just below New York, man. Oh, okay.
1: For sure. You oh. imagine if the walls in a pub that's been around since 1840 could talk? Wow! wow. I mean, man, oh man!
4: Wow. If it could, somebody probably burn the place down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
5: yep. This
4: city was originally named—is it Sturgis
5: Falls? Sturgis. What? Sturgis Falls, after its first settler, and later named after a nearby river. Once. The location to a Civil War soldier's orphan home. The site later became the first building on the campus of Northern Iowa University. And uh, for those hungry travelers heading through, there's nothing quite like an Iowa pork tenderloin, crispy and breaded to
8: perfection.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh man! falls. One of my favorite meats. Iowa. Oh, man, I falls, my, my mouth got watery there. Yeah. 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 Falls <laughs> Iowa. Yeah.
6: <in> <laughs> Steve sure. Falls,
2: thanks y'all, man. Appreciate Joe, it, Joe. I, I was wrong. The that that last city there, Red Line, is south in southern Pennsylvania, below York. Yeah, city, I
4: was just getting York. an emergency phone call. Came My in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're like <laughs> northwest. That ain't right. So yeah. I wanted to make make yeah. that. Uh, All right, man. Let y'all know that. Next you up, you You saw the mouse.
7: Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's heading there. standing on the table. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my companionship. I got this, big uh, old. Okay, Up my, next, my uh, way, baby. this top listening city was first called Sanford. The city is an agricultural center and home to the nearby Hugaton Panhandle gas field, a popular attraction and an indoor tea into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame is a pioneer, pioneer Day Rodeo. One of the world's toughest, most extreme bull riding and bronc busting rodeos you have ever witnessed. And this is, this is for go, going Goimon. Gungman, like, like, that's like I'm my Jamaican name, I'm in
5: Oklahoma.
6: I'm in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's I'm in Oklahoma in the
5: panhandle of Oklahoma over there. I'm Explain something the to me. How come is it with that big nose of yours? It's like it doesn't work. You sound all like. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, uh, oh, I just want the listeners to understand. It's, it has nothing to do with the audio. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> He, he, and his home. nose is covering half of the screen. It's because he's he most hum, bro. He's got <laughs> a hum.
3: <home. laughs> Guy- is a really
2: cool town Guymon. in <laughs> You know, when when you're in Gaiman, you're an hour and twenty minutes from five different states. You could be in Colorado, you could be in New Mexico, you could be in Kansas, or you can be in Texas. And and of course Oklahoma. that five states you can be with in an hour and twenty minutes.
5: Guy, is that minutes. is that your full name? Did you just shorten it up? <laughs>
1: I, we're, on, we're on blue collar. I can't say what I was about to say.
6: <laughs> <laughs> <Just> catch, <me. laughs> catch me outside, baby.
7: Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. Poking the bear, man. Poking the bear. All right,
4: dudes, Poking let's get this party started, man. We've hey. got, uh, we got a lot to do here because. Uh, The whole idea of this, like I said, guys, is our idea as our Christmas celebration, we want to give gifts to our listeners and viewers out there. And by sharing... Those insights, those lessons that we learned, either from things that went wrong that we learned on, things that went right for us, special things that really started to snap for us to help them um, learn from either our mistakes or our aha moments or other things that we found were gifts for us during the season to be able to share that, right?
3: Right. Absolutely. I well, so get got, I get to go first, right?
4: Absolutely, buddy. I'm <laughs> glad. <to have> you're <laughs>
3: Well, I was going to say is uh, you know we all got either Onyx or Fat Maps, and you know one of our main things is that we tell people that you need to study study it and figure out the land and everything. Well, we did our homework and we did study it. And we've picked out some good spots. But this year, we found that boots on the ground and visual was probably the best thing that we could have done. Because after we got there, we realized that they had had a horrendous uh, wind that blew down tons and tons of trees. So
2: our forests. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Gil, y'all can you send me that right picture? picture? I always yeah. talk about it and I don't have a visual for yeah. anybody. Y'all, y'all can yeah. see that right there. That's what you're dealing with, man. I mean, when you want to go over a ridge and you see that in front of you, oh, you can try. That's my Joe and Luis. You can try to go over that and you might hate one another after you go about a quarter of a mile of it. But at the end of the day, that's what it looked like, man. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I was going to get
3: to and tell everybody. Russian chip Yeah, Russian All right. I it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you know, it's it's important that you do that with your onyx and your your fat maps or whatever. But at the same time, I mean if you've got time to go early and check those places out, you definitely need to put boots on the ground. I mean, it's it's just one of those things that we found this year was like, whoops. <laughs> It's not quite the way we thought it would be.
4: Right. Yeah. So. You know, I, I was thinking about that myself, RC, was um, it's when you look at a map of an area, everything gets flattened out. Even if you do 3D, you can do 3D, but all of that forestry and everything gets flattened out. and You really don't have an idea what that mm-hmm. looks like. And And boots on the ground is great, but also... Here, here's something that that I'm going to share with you. I'm glad you brought this up, RC, and you had no idea, and I had no idea you were going to talk about this. This is really cool. I'm going to share my screen here, and uh this is just Google Maps, y'all. That's all it is. You can go to Google and go to Google Maps, and you can pull this stuff up, right? Well, in looking at an area like this, um, if I was to – Look at this. I really don't have any gist of what that looks like. But something that you can do, and what's great that you can do in Google Maps, and you're not able to do it in every area, but in some places you can actually add a point to it and see street view. Now, once I do that in street view, I can actually kind of look around wow. exactly and look at the difference wow. what this looks like right here, when I look at that versus when I just go to that 3D view such as this. Totally different.
3: Totally different.
4: Wow. You just don't have the same feel and the same idea. And, you know, you can do that. And what's cool is, yeah, you're not able to do it in every area, but I'm going to show you how you can do that. I'm going to show you how I've got this picture up and you'll see a little map down here in the corner and what I can do is I can actually expand this and it will show me different places and points that I should be able to get a view from and what I want to do is I want to try to click on some of these areas that are highlighted and that lets me get a better idea and a better view of what that area is looking like. Now Yes, is that you getting, you know, is, is that you getting the opportunity to walk through the woods? Absolutely not. But do I have a better idea? Absolutely. Of what that forest looks like when I do that? Absolutely you do. And you can do this in so many areas just to take a look at what's happening in different places. And it's just one way to actually get a look. And, and I'll tell you this grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at elk bros a lifetime of memories if you like what you hear or see you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there you know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is. You and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at Elkbros.com. That's E L K B R O S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. When I was when I was um with this year with our hunt um with our adventures hunt we had one of our guys that killed out and it was me driving a road with him um actually bringing his elk out of the mountains when on that actual road i looked off to the left and there was an area that i could visually see that immediately i went Boom, I'm going to be in there. And I'm checking now, I'm checking that that area on X and stuff because I had this visual view of what it looked like vertically and what the plants and what the drainage and everything looked like and it cued me that I was going to find elk in there and absolutely did when we got in there. So, that's just something for you to think about to help you out because you know, RC in that case, I guarantee you that that Google picture of this is not that little car hadn't driven around since those trees got tipped. Yeah. Right? For
3: sure. Yeah. For sure.
4: Yeah. It yeah. probably
8: didn't go up the mountain either.
4: <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on that on that Joe,
1: too, is I think a lot of times what we do is we focus on our hunt area, right? And and we're uncertain what the shaded relief means and the spacing and the contour lines, Western contours, um and the spacing and everything it means. <laughs> So, you know, actually going into an area, I'm not saying, you know, make an 18-hour drive, but you can go to your local hills, mountains, whatever you have around your place, and open up that Onyx and spend some time with Onyx, base maps, fat maps, whatever it is, right? and look at the contours and look at that shaded relief and look at where you're at and what what you're surrounded by. And then when you're going to assess and and do your e-scouting, at least you have a better idea, a learned idea of what that represents from that exactly. visual that you got in your area, right? So I think yeah. that's a big thing, and I yeah. think guys overlook spending that time. And they go, "Oh, we're going to go up that ridge," and then they get to that ridge and they go, "Oh my God, we're going up that ridge!" Right. You know. So yeah. I, I think spending some time on it pre, you know, learning what it means on there is a big deal.
4: And and we know, man, if you can get boots on the ground, there's nothing that. I mean, that's where you really get to tie in what you've looked at on all of your maps to what you're seeing there. But if you're not able to, Google Street View, man, gives you an opportunity to look at that area on your onyx. Try to imagine what that looks like and then go look at that street view to start implanting what that terrain and what those trees actually look like. Because when you look on 3D, everything looks the same level. You can't tell where there's higher trees, lower trees, whether that's you know big aspen or big lodge pine, or if it's small jacks or if it's scrub oak. You, yeah, you know, sometimes the color, but it's real difficult because when we looked at that overhead view, those trees look so spaced out. But when you get down on the, you know, with them, it looks a little bit different. So that that's just one way. So RC, I, I'm so glad, dude, that you brought that up.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I want to add some stuff before <laughs> cause I still keep going in and out and I want to make sure I get something in there. Yeah. Uh, we had some anxious moments, uh, a couple of nights and that was because, uh, the phones were not cooperating. The, they lost their power. So it's important that, that you take a power bank with you, you know, if you're going to go out, at least somebody in your group, uh, cause communication is real important. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, lost, we uh, lost Gilbert and Larry there for a while, and it was uh, pretty tough on the group. So, uh, you know, it's it's important that, you know, sometimes if you just take extra batteries, that's good, but everybody seems to be using the phones more often than a GPS, so it's important to have a, a power bank to keep the, keep them charged and mm-hmm. let other people know. And uh, also, check your Zolio. Everybody's got a Zolio, yeah. but nobody seems to be checking to see uh, – what's happening. So, uh, that's an important factor too, is, uh, you know, to keep in communication with your, with your, uh, fellow hunters. Yeah.
4: Redundancy y'all backup to your backup, especially when yeah. it comes to anything that could be life threatening. So when you're talking about communications, um, make sure that you have systems in place for that. And, you know, if you are depending on your phone, you know, make sure that, uh, you've got a, a charging cord. Your partner has a charging cord. Make sure that. It fits you have, your phone. Yeah. That mm-hmm. fits your phone. And that, uh, you've got that, uh, additional power bank, man, because <laughs> you might need that. And understand that going to airplane mode is going to help. Now, I will tell you this. If you're keeping <laughs> tracking on all the time, oh, um, on up. some of those, it's going to start to utilize those resources. So, you know, um and turn everything else off. Like if when you go if you yeah, go absolutely. in airplane mode, it's gonna turn off Wi Fi, it's gonna turn it's yeah. not looking for that. It's not gonna eat it up as much.
1: Well you got your background apps too, right? That's yeah. there's stuff that continues to run in the background, um, yeah. even with that stuff off. Yeah, you right? gotta make It'll sure you clear them all out. So you, gotta, yeah. you gotta get yeah. rid of that stuff too.
2: And then again, like I said, you know, for me it was just having I didn't look, I mean, doesn't do you any good to be in your in your uh side by side either it's got to be in your backpack
4: yeah. and on you two flashlights i mean yeah. two headlamps if you want to use yeah. headlamps and backup batteries man because yeah. uh and, and sure you, you have something to light a fire that's going to light a fire you and, know and, and,
2: yeah and i tell you that's right. I carry a fire starter kit in my, in my backpack and I was able to do that. Um, and even when it was wet, you guys learn how to dig underneath some of them fallen pines to get to that drier kindling. You dig underneath there, you'll get to the drier stuff. Uh, but again, uh, one of the cool things is after, after we went through what we went through, guy came up with an idea of, Hey man, look, let's take a, a two-way radio with us too, you know, and so uh, we if we're going to be, area. yeah, if we're going to be hunting in the same area, let's have a check-in time where we check on one another and, and we can have a, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock noon, whatever, and uh guy and I kind of hunted in the same area as uh, him and Mike and, and me and Larry, and that was real easy for us to check in on one another. Well, and for the most part, we have those two-way radios, and they work. And, you know, you're within four or five miles of a guy, you're going to be able to talk to
4: him. One of the reasons he was saying that, too, is that when Guy and I went to go look for y'all, fortunately, you were on the road by the time we got there. But, but had you, you had been down on. in the forest, yeah. um yeah. you know, yeah. if even if you have those two ways so that you can turn them on after hours, You know, when you know somebody's going to be looking for you, and your party is going to use those (laughs) two ways to be able to locate you and find out if you're okay, so they can actually be a backup emergency device, right? And the Zolio has been a great device for that too, as well. You got to have your phone to work. Got to have your your Zolio. See, that's the
1: there's that's where I have an issue with the devices that you cannot message off of directly, and you have to utilize your phone. Okay. Right, because heat, cold, they affect the phone. You know, and I, I'm not going to say any different names, but there's no. devices where you, you know, you, you
5: can Further, either type it in or for, you have. For you have, the SOS, the Zolio right. still, still, worse still on works for SOS. Yeah. Right, but so, what,
1: but in this and situation, the right. Check as well. Yeah, check but in their as well. dead and their Zolio's still going, right, we had no way, but if they had, you know, one of the other devices, yeah. that What's message could have went straight to that device. That's how me and but, Joe talked during season.
4: So yeah, what yeah, he's saying, though, is on that Zolio, you, know, you have the opportunity prior to your hunt to set yeah, up check-in. who your check-ins go to and who will receive an SOS. And when you do, does the check-in and SOS, it sends your coordinates out as to where your location is, and that works without your phone. There's an SOS yeah. button on that device that it comes down to. It. You push that, it sends that out and identifies <laughs> where you're uh, there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but does that – now, does that trigger – Search and rescue as well. No it triggers have, who
2: you want it to. If you have oh, no the SOS, yes,
1: yes. SOS SOS goes to search and rescue. SOS, parts yes, and the
5: check in the check in goes to the person that SOS has whoever you designate as well. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that the check in doesn't send SOS. It just sends the check in to the people that you designate. But if you hit SOS,
1: search and rescue, and whoever else you designate. Correct. Yeah. Right. That's that's the last resort, right there. Yeah. I mean, okay. thank goodness that that Gil and Larry were smart enough to strip down to their birthday suits and cuddle under one of them logs, <laughs> because otherwise, me and Joe would have probably never found them. We saw it at Steam, and there they were. <laughs> but the saving grace was us finding that.
2: The saving grace was finding that gum road, man. And uh, and me staying put. You know, as soon as Chad knew- brought it up, I
1: saw Gil's face, Joe. Yeah. I, yeah. That I'll never forget his face when we pulled up on him. Oh, yeah. My heart dropped Absolutely. when Chad brought it up. Good lord! Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. I knew that if I stayed by that road, I had a shot. You know, uh in. I knew my boys were going to come, man. I'm, there's no way they're going to leave me out there past midnight. Uh, but I, I knew if I stayed on that road, somebody's going to find me, you know, so it was tough. It was a tough deal to swallow. I'm 52 year, you know, 53 years old and you're, I've been you're, in you're getting up there, dude. You're pretty yeah. old. Man. Man, been in the woods old. a long time and, uh, would have never felt, never felt the only time I felt threatened is when we got in that rock slide, right? And that was very dangerous and, uh, You know that I I I actually prayed on the side of that mountain, you know, for some strength. You know, and and for me not to because if you lose your cool in a situation like that and panic, you're
4: you're done. And so that there there in itself is a lesson too, you know, and that's something to think about in all of the different things. Like no matter what, like if you find yourself in an area where you're not sure at the moment. Or you get caught after dark and you're not somebody that's used to doing that. The first thing to do is to realize, number one, is there's the only difference between that daytime and that nighttime is the color. Everything else is still the same. Stay relaxed because you being relaxed and thoughtful about what you do helps you from getting injured. And that's number one. Do not do anything to injure yourself, right?
2: So Yeah, and, and for me, it was not pushing past I couldn't, I couldn't expend all of my energy in one spot because I kept cramping up, you know, okay. and and for me, it was, it was, you know, Larry was doing really good and helping me uh, as well. Hey, big old, you doing all right? Take as much right. time as you need. You know, he, he did a really good job of, it was a tough deal. One that. That uh, I'm not gonna do again. Okay, <laughs> I, can tell you I that. think
3: <laughs> I think very, very, very important, and it happens to all of us. Is especially if you're in camp, is that uh, you know you try to prepare. It's just like you said, you know, the backup battery, the backup cords, whatever you need, and you think, well, I'll get that in the morning, or I'll get this. I'll get this after a while. All right. When you think about it, you need to do yeah, it dude. because no what happens in the morning is it's like, are you going to go hunt go, with go, me today? Go, Let's go, 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 you know? Go, go, go. And so, and, and so everybody's in a hurry. And then you, then when you get out there, you're going, Oh, I didn't bring my man pawn."
2: Yeah, exactly. That's a bad deal right
1: there. You ain't got your man oh. For as much as much guff as Joe gives me about me always having my pack on and stuff in my pack, I was I'm quite proud to hear him say, "You got to have X, Y, and Z." Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, I bet you.
6: <laughs>
4: Yeah, and you know what? Um, I'm different. It's funny, but I'm different in how I pack at different types of the day. If I'm gonna be gone all day long, there's certain yeah. things I'm gonna have in my pack. Mm-hmm. If if I'm going to, um, I'm a two sandwich so, day. If I'm yeah, yeah. yeah, and it can get crazy. Like you know, if you're going out in the morning and you know you're not gonna have those after, you know till those afternoon showers, but you got to be ready, man. I mean. I mean, there's been times I've just gone light because I've made it, and this is when it happens. You go light, and you mm-hmm. think, oh, because oh. I'm just going to be out for an hour, yeah. and I end up hitting something. Yeah, and, and, yeah. yeah.
7: that's, that's really it turns. Really I, I, I always carry the essentials in my in my backpack. You don't carry anything, bro. No, I, I do. I <laughs> carry everything. He carries yeah. everything. Yeah. Essentials uh, for me uh, is uh, just uh, fire, buttercore, uh, water, sure. food, hammock and uh and Camera. a little tarp Amateur. yeah and a yeah, uh, communication battery but yeah for battery, you, battery it's a battery? tripod yeah tripod to get pictures and uh <laughs> a little you know were Yo, you were with it's us called. when he was
4: requesting my battery pack because he ran out of batteries. I remember both you guys having to borrow my lighter. That's all I can Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're 99 cent big. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't need it. it. Mm-hmm. he also, yes,
1: um, the, the Manton pack right here, buddy. Wicked North gear <laughs> actually has uh-huh. one. Look at like this guy. He sent me this after I, he That's saw so I cut scary. off the, uh, my leg of my base layer, you know, they right. handle my business. Right. And this thing is loaded, man. Gloves <laughs> and a, a bag to pack it out and a wet wipe and a little, out, that man. little roll of teepee there. <laughs> 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 Always
6: got it packaged. Right. Yeah, nature oh, nature,
3: <laughs> calls. nature so, calls.
4: So Duplanche, you got, you got the, the floor now, man. Uh, how about uh something there for your, your lessons or your gifts to give to these guys? Man, you're gonna get me all
1: philosophical, bro. <laughs>
6: Let's
1: get the ten thousand foot view. <laughs> you know, ugh, bring it. Still a lot, right? But you know, I'll just talk about it in in adventure camp, right? I mean, the level of brotherhood and camaraderie and that kinship that just comes from elk hunting, hunting in general, but elk hunting, there's something immensely different about what that bond is about, right? And I think a lot of times we focus on, you know, notching that tag, uh, and we lose sight of all the other gifts that the, the man upstairs has given us as we're progressing through each hour, each day, you know, down this, down this ridge and up the other. And we walk past that stuff. And man, when I was in Elk Bros camp, I'm not even hunting, right? But my heart my heart was just full the whole time, you know, and looking forward to hearing everybody's stories at the end of the day, you know, and then between me and Gil in that, in that Cadillac of a side-by-side on that 45 minute drive back from that area we were hunting, man, just laughing and and goofing all the whole time. And it's 30 degrees. And, you know, I, I man, I can't get past that stuff to look at anything. I mean, I can, right. I, I, I criticize myself enough with my elk hunting, but those are the things, man, that just stand out to me. We talk about gifts, you know, it just don't walk past that stuff. You know, everybody says, stop and smell the roses, man, that rose is with every single step.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I 100% agree with guy. Our hearts were full, man. Man. Uh, Those are the gifts that we made bonds with guys that are in camp that I still, you know, talk to today uh, every day. I mean, just about every day, one of them will reach out or will, you know, bump each other on WhatsApp or something like that, you know. Is that Uh, still going? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been, it's been wild. I mean, you know, I hear from Larry, Tom, Adam. I hear from them all. So it's, uh, and in, you know, of course, our brotherhood that we have, it just keeps us stronger every day. So yeah, that's a huge gift, man. At being able to, to hunt with guy and learn from him and learn from all the guys that are in camp, man, and be able to share those things. Um, those are two of the, the proudest things that I take away
4: from. There, there's three of our brothers not with us tonight that I actually, um, I was hoping they could be here, but you know, other things get in the way of that sometimes. You know, we don't have Cole Wilkes here with us. Um, Cole is, uh, on a big, Cole is a workaholic man. And this guy, he's just amazing at the stuff so he, he does. And, um, he's working tonight. Uh, uh, Eric Aragon, our Ridge runner. Yeah, um, me. those two fellas are phenomenal hum, human beings, incredible elk hunters, incredible teachers, and uh, and another of our brother, our northern brother, who we're going to be hunting with. And people, everybody keeps asking us about where we're going to be hunting next year. If we're going to be in New Mexico, or we're going to be in Colorado. Well, y'all, we're going to be, it's going to be a Can-Am hunt. We're going to be up in Canada next year. So, um, we don't have Travis O'Shea with us tonight. Uh, Travis is actually out uh, on a, a gas compressor for the next week um, in the Two hours in the middle of nowhere up in Canada. So, okay. uh, yeah. So I, I want to wish those three, our three brothers, uh, Merry Christmas as well. Merry Christmas I wish you guys were with us tonight because they have mm-hmm. a ton to share. I mean, the things that they did, you know, most people, um, Eric and Cole are hunt wars coaches that have been working with, uh, the hunt wars competition in the last two years. Both these guys, I mean, Cole went up into Utah in a, in a hunt unit that, um, People struggle to even find elk, and on day one gets it done with a beautiful bull up there. And Eric, true to Eric's form has been working with another guy out of state and uh, brought him in and they did all kinds of coaching, went into a unit in, uh, in, in here in New Mexico. And not only did the guy's coaching take a beautiful bull, but Eric was like, okay, you got the bull. I'm taking the cow and boom, he pops the cow there. So they were <laughs> all in two elk out of the mountain, man. So, uh, and, and Travis, man, Travis had multiple people that he called, uh, bulls in four and everybody Buddy, these guys are just so successful they're such good elk hunters and they have the passion and they're just great human beings and those are the type of people that we want associated with us and and i tell you we've got another fellow that's going to probably be uh um working his way in here and he hasn't he hasn't heard me say this in a long time or there but y'all man um the kid who was with us this year was definitely elk bros material cody the kid so um mm-hmm. He's somebody that we're going to be developing and working to bring. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we got another fellow over in the quest area too, Richard over there. We've got great people that we are developing that we're bringing into the fold of this. It'll end up being Elk Bros coaches and, and spreading their wisdom and their knowledge to other people. So, um, there's more to come on all of that, right? Absolutely. So, uh, we'll, we'll see when that happens. Luis, what you got, man? Yeah,
5: man. Um, <clears throat> I, I originally was going to, was actually going to touch on the safety, um, you know, was going to talk about the time where Manano and I got separated uh and the downfall. And, uh you know, I, I, I was, I was scared. I was scared for a while because I, I, I got to the road and then I couldn't, I couldn't find Manano. I kept calling. I couldn't hear him. And then just the ugliest, ugliest and, Thoughts that I'd never thought I would—I would think about—went through my head, and I, I freaked out.
7: Now wait you know, a second, bro. The thing, the thing is, he—he he realized that he loved
2: me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second! Wait a second! He just, realized I it, just realized it. it, it
6: dude. Right.
4: I have a problem. I was with y'all. You never worried about me, bro. No, 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 no. That was a that 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 was different time. time. That was a different Ooh. time.
5: That was a different time. Because even even then. Uh, we were, we were relatively close and could still hear each other. But, right. uh, on this other hunt, I, I completely, I just, we, oh, when you we didn't went, know where you we
4: ended up crossing, right? Crossing yeah. each other.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to touch on the whole safety thing, you know, really have a conversation. If you're going to get separated, really have a plan <laughs> on how to communicate, you know, and you guys touched and all that. Um, and then, you know, going to guys philosophical portion of things, Um, you know, I agree 100%. You know, some, and I think so based on, on that, I'm, I'm kind of changing my, my message and it's more about being thankful of the gift as opposed to giving the gift. Because I think that, you know, those mountains have a special effect on me every year. Every time I get out there, I don't know what it is, but it, it reaches in a certain part of my soul that it kind of stays untouched throughout the most of the year. But for some reason that it touches that area in my soul that is just not normally, you know, where that doesn't normally resonate. I don't even know how to explain it, but I get way more sensitive. Yeah, it's that challenge. It's that challenge that you challenge yourself with. It's the humility. It's the, it's the camaraderie. It's the friendship. It's, it's just that realizing how, you know, humbling the mountains make you feel, how vulnerable, uh, they make you feel. And those emotions just come out, right? And, and being able to sit down and take it all in, like you said, you know, stop and smell the roses. I heard Chaff said that a long time ago, and and uh, it, it made total sense. You know, I live a very stressful, rushed-type life. The type of business I do is 24-7, very stressful. Um, and, and sometimes we forget uh, that life is about taking it in and being appreciative, being thankful um, for all the things that we have. For the mountains are the gift, for the experiences are the gift, for our friendship and the opportunities that we have in this country that not every country has, a, you know, that opportunity for their people to have beautiful sceneries and mountains for us to go hunt in and and be able to harvest our own food and, and, and have those experiences. I mean... It, just, we just have so much to be thankful for. And I think bringing that to, like, front and forward as part of the experience of those trips, it's, it's, it's something that we have to do every time because that's where the value is. That's where the beauty is. Yep. That's where the life changes that man. Yeah,
2: man, changed my life forever, you know, 13 mm-hmm. years ago.
4: Yeah, I think well, and we've all talked about that life altering. That was actually a podcast that we had on that um, on there, and and I and I think that reverberates (laughs) keeps coming back because it is a big part of what we do. It is a reason that we all. It's weird, man. (laughs) You cannot see each other for a year, and you show up at L camp. I mean.
2: Look, I'm going to tell you, I think all our elk bros, adventure hunters that were in camp with us will resonate that same sentiment, yeah. too. Their lives are changed, man. Oh, yeah. And it, and I feel like, yeah, killing elk and harvesting elk and bulls and all of those things are, are awesome. But when you ch- help change people's lives, Joe, we're doing the right thing.
4: Did you hear that? Y'all, I've got to take a second from the show to tell you about the Enchantress call from Slayer Calls. This call, it gets you the most realistic bugles and cow calls I have ever heard from an external. Look the folks at Slayer Calls designed this external call to act just like a human tongue. So literally, with the push of a button, anyone can use this bad boy to bring those puppies running. Look, if you struggle with diaphragm calls, or you have a partner that's just not able to call, y'all, this right here is your ticket to sucking those bulls right on in. If you want to try the Enchantress, which they're calling the Elk Slayer now, to put me in your freezer, then just use our code. It's one word, Elk Bro Slay. Again, that's the code, Elk Bro Slay, on slayercalls.com. Yeah, absolutely. And and that just comes from, you know, I think one thing about this, about elk hunting, and, and you were talking about that guy, I think the reason that it pulls people together is is that the mountains don't care if you succeed them yeah, animals don't care if you succeed you know there there is no enabling out there you know it's either you do or you don't, you don't. and right. in that in that journey in that battle and that in that fight in that uh competition you know um there's no cheating you know, on that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like, uh, you know, I have athletes that have that same respect for each other because they all go through the same thing. And when you have to depend on other people to have your back in something that can be life-threatening, you know, there's there's, there's special trust and a special bond with that. Um mm-hmm. uh, You know, does that mean that everything's going to be kumbaya and you're going to love everything those people around you do? Mm-mm. No, it ain't. Um, what you do is you find the best that you can and you work with that and you help develop the rest. It's communication just like those, those microphones are out there, man. Um, I'm, I'm one of those that I don't hold on to crap. I got an issue. You're going to hear it from me, you know? Um, but I do it in a way that we try to build and be constructive, uh, uh, with what we're doing because this is our crew. So, um, we're going to, we're going to do it. I think
2: Joe, we, we all share the same sentiment when one lets us down, everybody we're letting everybody down, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I felt that way, you know, when I was sitting there on the side of that mountain, y'all come driving up at midnight, I felt like I let everybody down. And, uh, at the end of the day, I did because i wasn 't prepared for what was coming yeah. so so at the end of the day, they'll drive me forever in my life i got you know i 'm looking at my pack right now it 's got two battery packs in it 's got two cords in it. you know I mean all the redundancy even I'm white tail hunting I could walk back to my camp, you know what yeah. I mean. But let's say I get hit by a rattlesnake. Right? Yeah. Let's say I get hit by a rattlesnake, or let's say I fall from a tree, or you know, we are out, we
4: h- out of a blind. <laughs> anything, man. Yeah, I
2: fell out of a chair in Luis's deal. Now look, you know, something as simple as falling out of a chair, I could have hurt my back really bad. Couldn't have got, couldn't have got up and crawled anywhere. You know, right. there's just so many things that you know. I was ta- I was with a, a very good friend of Luis and Manano's last week uh, in Midland when I was working out there and he takes his daughters hunting with him. And I'm like, let me ask you a question, brother. Uh, and I, I did this with my kids. If you got hurt when you were with one of your daughters mm. six or seven years old, how are they going to get you help?
4: Yeah, right. Absolutely.
2: Can they run your cell phone? Can they give yeah. directions? Yeah. I mean, in your notes, you should put vivid directions that they could read. To somebody that could get them, you get you some help, right? If right. you get hit by a rattlesnake, if you fall and break your leg, I mean, there's all kind. Man, he was like, he was like, its eyes were that big around, and he's like, man, don't say this in front of my wife, dude. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, like daggone, bro. We talk about it.
7: We yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, it, Luis and yeah, Luis, yeah. I oh, last week. Oh, you did, yeah. yeah. So,
4: Manano, how about you, bro?
7: I got many things, yo, uh, especially from- Sinus, this,
5: Sinus is one
7: of them. <laughs> from this weekend, uh, the I got, uh, I got slapped in the face, uh, I've been dreaming about it after I shot a decent deer and what I believed I was, you know, Pretty accurate on 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 the spot, and we searched for that deer for even I don't know. Beto, uh, six with, miles. Yeah, I mean, uh, the deer
2: traveled six miles.
7: Yeah, with, with dogs. With dogs, those so, dogs ran uh, in here six miles, and and it shocked me because uh, I spent two years hunting in public land, wounded. I wounded I don't know how many animals, and I. I, I, I learned the lesson and I, and I always bother Luis so saying, Luis, I, uh, I always kill my animals close to the road and I, they just made just few steps and, and, uh, and you know, like it's karma, karma. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and yeah, in man, in, in both hunting, it's a, it's a serious thing, man. It's so, just. So what's the lesson, bro? The lesson, it's, uh, it's, uh.
2: The lesson in patience. In, uh, in and humility, land. man. Yeah. And, and humility. humility. That's, and that's humility. my
7: point because yeah. I was, you know, I. And these I guys fought. are
2: killers, man. These guys are master right. archers and really good but shots. You always right,
4: got to work your craft and you got to understand that things can happen. You do the best you can oh. and, and nothing is a for sure. So you yes. got to be your best.
7: Yes, Joe, but I I went back and I, I, I I reviewed my, my video and that shot was, I would, I would say even less than an inch.
4: But that's my point though. That's what I'm trying to say is, and I tell this other people is, you know, I've had people beat themselves up over stuff, but (laughs) the fact is, is that you can do everything right. And it can still go wrong. And but our that's job as hunters, our job as hunters is to work to be as efficient and as accurate as possible. That's all we can do. And mm-hmm. and and that's where the humility comes in. You can't get to the point where you just, you know, I got this. I got this. You know, no, you don't. No. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and to your point, you do,
2: Joe, it you in the face like a crappy. Right.
5: Thing. Uh, well, to your point, Joe. I, I think I think what you said is very important because I know in my early years. Uh, not too long ago, uh, <laughs> when, uh, when we were hunting, you know, and I went through those, you know, bad experiences of shot placement, not finding the animals and all that stuff. It's, uh, it, it really tore me up, you know, and, and to the point to where Deformed I believe I was them. close to saying, this just isn't for me. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, keep doing this. Right. And, and your words were like, pick yourself up you learn from it, and move on, right? I mean, so, um, as bow hunters, we have to understand that we're going to have those moments yeah. and we have to be physically and mentally prepared to accept them and to make the best out of those moments. We're not going to avoid them. There is, it's impossible to avoid those moments. They're going to take place, but our jobs, as you mentioned, is that Prepare. we continue to strive. We continue to learn. Yeah. And we continue to improve to minimize those moments from no happening. No matter what your choice of weapon is, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. I, Joel, that, cool. I, I mean, first and foremost in that, you got to care
1: about it, too. Right? Absolutely. you got to care about it.
2: So we're it. all coaches here, right? right? We've all played a game, right? We all play the game, whether it be athletics or, or hunting, okay? There are so many things that are in, uncontrollable for us, right? The only thing you can't control are the controllables. Winning and losing? Being successful or not, you can't control winning and losing. That's just part of the game. What we can do is affect our attitude and our effort and be willing to go the very long road that it takes to endure when we have made a mistake, right? Or when we haven't made that perfect shot. We work our tails off every day to make sure that we're making that ethical shot. But winning and losing, we can't control. How we play the game and how we have our attitude set, that's the only thing that we can control. We can make our best shot that we thought we made and we don't recover an animal. We can make a Pretty bad shot sometimes, and all of a sudden we hit the right artery and we walk up on the animal. It's the yeah, same thing, one hundred
5: percent, one hundred percent. It's the same yeah.
2: thing with when and there's no difference in a rifle shot. I've Absolutely. seen guys blow the legs off of a gum deer, think they. Think they hit him in the pump station, and I'm like, "Oh man, that was low!" And
4: we liable to be chasing this deer for two days, you know. That's, mm-hmm. that's one true. thing about bow hunting, man, is it's uh-huh. intimate. We see it up close, and we have a whole different experience. Where you know a lot of uh, that it can happen. You know, guys are shooting a longer distance with a rifle and think they absolutely missed an animal. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and hit him and stone it, dead. So, yeah. So Just this
2: weekend, I'm at my deer deer blo- deer camp. One of our guys comes in and he goes. Gil, I shot a deer, man, I'm pretty dang sure I hit it. I found some blood, but I can't find him. He said, would you go down there with me? I said, sure, I'll I'll go down. there." Man, the the deer's 40 yards from where he shot him. But he walked right by him three times because he thought the deer went left. Deer went right, you know. I found a little spot where he went up on the side of a. He goes, well, how did you know to look that way? I said, well, there ain't no blood this way. You know I mean, my my sense of philosophy said, well, the deer probably went this way when I shine the light up. Bingo, you know, and he said, well, I walked around that sucker for five minutes. He said, there's no way I couldn't have seen him. I said, well, that yonder he is right there. I said, I don't know what to tell you. And then he, he shot at another deer, didn't get any blood, none. I said, well, that don't mean you didn't hit him. Right. Listen, a, lot of these, a lot of these rounds in there and poke a hole back, we don't get much. And if it didn't get through him, you ain't going to get much. Yep. Again, right <clears throat> right type of bullets, right type of shot placement is imperative, guys. Do the best
4: man. you can to prepare Patience well.
2: to make the best shot and make the best shot placement. And Not if you're right. having to rush at all, man, it's time to take some time.
4: So mm-hmm. um, what I'd like to do is on my part here, I'm going to try to – I'm going to try to give you guys some nuggets of things that I've observed and things that really stuck in my head during the season here. And, uh, and hopefully these can help you. The first one, one was on hunt efficiency and, and I, I call this don't follow or chase the rainbow when hunting elk. And what I mean by that is, is sometimes we end up in a situation where we are chasing that pot of gold, that animal or that situation that just keeps staying out of reach because we're not reading the situation right or because um, that animal, uh, it, I, I'm burning time because it's a lost cause. Either I have an elk between me um, and um, there's another target bull there that I think will get spooked and so um, I just end up locked up because I don't want to blow that animal out right so I end up locked up even though my target animal is on the opposite side and I end up burning daylight because I'm worried that this animal is going to blow out and spook everything you know no you know, in that situation, depending on how it is, especially if it's not visual, sometimes you gotta blow up an animal to get to a situation and you can cover it by giving it you know giving some calls like maybe it was a if it was a young bull, it was another bull that spooked that bull out right There's they things done to it. do for done that it. right um let's say you have a hung bull with cows moving away, you know you got to read that situation and understand that you're burning daylight by staying in that position right there, um, working that animal that's actually leaving, right? So you have to make some decisions on that. Let's say that you have multiple bulls bugling, but it's a losing situation because of wind, thermals, barriers, um, or no other bulls in the area, no other competition that you can pull because sometimes that herd bulls the toughest one to pull off, especially when they're in a situation. And this happened to us this year where you could hear bulls down on private property and you got a fence line there. And even, the, I mean, it's like that rainbow, man. It's that pot of gold. You can friggin' see that rainbow. We can hear those bulls down there and they make you just stay there, stay there and you know, wishing they're going to come to you but wishing ain't going to get it done. So the efficiency of that is actually hurting you. Sometimes you got to call it and put yourself in a better situation, okay? Um also, don't be hanging with a bull that you don't or, or an animal that you don't plan on shooting in the first place. Man, and uh I mean, there's sometimes you're sitting there arguing with yourself on what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Yeah. You got to have that made up, right? Yeah. And yeah. if that ain't going to be happen before we
2: get in the woods,
4: yeah, you need to move on from that and put yourself in a better situation, you know, and the other one like is if you're racing shooting light, if you're racing shooting light, and those animals are there and again, that's that pot of gold, man, it's just it just keeps staying further and further and you're not quite getting there. You can't quite get your hand on that pot of gold because that light's fading. Sometimes it's best just to stop, pull back, put it on your GPS, get out of there and come back after them boogers in the morning. So, um, and and I would say as far as hunter fish, the other one is hunt the hunt. Every day like it's your first day. Uh, man, there are so many people that get, but they're pumped the first day, they're pumped the second day, they hit hump day on the third day, and they just, man, they start, you know, because things aren't going their way, they get in a situation where they, they, they're no longer focused, they're not walking with the same walk, they're not giving it the same ability, and, and you'll notice that a lot of people, they, they kill on the last day of their hunt. And I think a lot of that happens because it's the last day. They're giving Impressive. it everything that
3: they yeah. have, man. Right.
4: I was going to say, when you said the first
5: hunt, like you're hunting on the first day, I was thinking, no, I want to hunt every day. Like I'm hunting like the last day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause that that's our mean, mentality, that's right? right? We're hitting it hard every friggin' day. I mean, even the last day, we're still out there grinding, right?
4: But, but you know, there's some people though that never yeah. make it to that last day, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and I've seen people that have left. And then they get all pumped back again. They've lost out on three or four days, and they go back, and they're excited on that first day, which would have been their, like, seventh day, right? right. You know, and but they've missed those other. And, yeah, there's times you need to take a break. Well, shoot, man, you can sit water. You can sit a trail. There's things that you can do to still be in the woods because you don't kill animals from the camp, right? Right. That that's the thing I want to tell you on hunt efficiency and and the other thing is in efficiency with your encounters, right? And what I mean by that is is there's different ways I carry things, how I carry my calls. It makes me more efficient. Well, You have an animal all of a sudden that you see, and you're looking, and you're like, where's my call? Where's my call? And you're trying to get it in your mouth and make it happen. You grab the wrong kind call. Kind of like Joe trying to knock an arrow to kill the hog. You know what? <laughs> and he is absolutely right, man, because when I went to that nuclear bow, and now I went from, you know, just putting an arrow on a rest, pulling back and shooting, now I had to— I hooked this thing. Relearn. Relearn the system. Re-learn I had to yeah. relearn the system, man. Yeah. And I put it yeah. down on a flipper, and I got to flip that up with my thumb. And I'm watching all of this instead of watching that animal, and it just screwed with me. So the point he's making is exactly what I'm saying with that. Right. And yeah. In fact, that brings me to something that I know has happened to people out there. How many of you guys have gone to put an arrow on and flip up that rest in a hot situation and had your arrow jammed between the rest and your right? <laughs> hmm? Tell me I how many have
2: that happen, man? So I hadn't had that one happen yet, but I'm sure it will. Yeah. So Manana
4: shot a tree that way it happened to instead me. of an elk. Yeah. So what I what, I, what <laughs> so what I'm saying, man, is is that, that that's something that hurts your efficiency because you only get so many encounters, right? Yes, and you've got to capitalize you... on those encounters. So what I'm telling you right now is I'm telling you things, I'm giving you a heads up on some stuff, yeah, yeah. right? And yeah, like yeah. if you have a situation where that arrow can get and jam between your rest, I believe I'm gonna find something to put mm-hmm. on my riser so that doesn't happen. I'm figuring <laughs> that puppy out because it's <laughs> gonna happen when you least expect it. Yep. Right. And you've got to get that system down. Now this year Man, I, you know, it's like the first time I hunted, one time I had an animal coming in and instead of drawing early because I'm used to my old bow system, I could have been drawn way ahead of time and holding on the animal like Gil was talking about and been way more efficient, right? Like when I carry my calls, you know, I have, I have calls that stay inside quivers on my hat. You know, so if they're already there. And I that is, I mean, that's yeah. Or it's in my mouth. I'm telling you, if I'm in a tight situation, it's in my mouth already. But what if I'm moving and all of a sudden I spot when I need a call? I don't want to be looking for that. I'm going to pull it, get it in and I'm going. Then I carry with me because I always have my go to call on my hat wow. on my hat is my go to call. And that's going to get in my mouth and it's not getting saliva on it the whole time. So it's a little, I think, I think a lot of what you're talking about, you know, and Beto is probably
5: the best person to talk about this. It's mechanics. And I think that, uh, catchers, um, uh, train a lot on mechanics because sure. they have to be efficient as far as, you the know, movements. taking the ball, turning, getting in position to throw the ball, whether, you know, to any of the bases and stuff like that. So it's, It's
4: really practicing the mechanics to where you're not not using time or energy. Not only the mechanics, but but being prepared before the situation happens, and then the mechanics come into play. So you know it's like when to knock an arrow. People are like, "Well, when do I knock an arrow?" Well, y'all, look when you draw, when you think, when you feel, when you believe in a possible encounter. If you're doing a scenario. Uh, if you're taking a break, if you're napping on the ground, I have an arrow knocked, man. As That's soon as it. anything tells me that there's a possibility of an encounter, I'm knocking an arrow. I'm not waiting for the encounter to happen and then having to knock an arrow. Or when to draw. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's exactly it. Yeah, and what I used to tell my athletes is, is don't get caught watching the game. Right, right. Yeah, if you no. want to
2: watch the game, we'll get you a bag of popcorn and a coke. Yeah. Otherwise, let's play.
4: <laughs> if 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 I have an elk moving in on me, I'm not watching the game. As soon as I realize the animal's coming in, I'm They'll looking at body. I'm looking at all the possible shooting lanes. Do I need to move? What's around me? If I draw, what's on the ground? I'm checking my
5: ranging system. mental distances yeah. all that comes to mind well i tell you what
4: that's breakfast. the other thing man i am able to judge 30 yards in at 30 yards i don't need a friggin rangefinder. i'm going to kill that animal there so right. you know right. that's what's going to happen with that so um uh, it, that's I, had one, I had about. one other
2: i had one other thing joe to take uh-huh. away to give to, to our listeners i it, everybody knew we had some trouble on the side of the mountain my bow got beat up pretty bad Okay. and i had said when i got back to camp that mor- that night that i need to shoot my bow right well we got caught up telling the stories and everything we decided we we're going to go out and hunt that afternoon i forgot all about shooting my bow and or that next morning the next morning i get up and i've got a mule deer tag in my pocket and the elusive new mexico mule deer <laughs> has uh won up to me for a long time I get a mule, a hundred and sixty inch mule deer inside of fifty yards. Okay. Fifty three yards. Listen guys, I shoot fifty, sixty yards like it ain't nothing, right? I mean, it is a dead animal if they sixty yards from me. I drew my bow back, settled that pin, poof, shot. It went eight inches over his back. I went, what in the, and it went straight over his withers, but eight inches high, man. I'm like, what in the world was that? And I'm like, did I use my wrong pen? So I came back to camp after, you know, eating a little bit of tag soup and came back to camp and shot my bow is, I shot over the target shooting at the dead center target at, at uh, 50 yards, shot over the target the first time that climb and that rough hike had knocked my bow side off and it just messed with the elevation. Didn't mess with the windage left or right, but it messed with the elevation and uh, I found out why Then it didn't, I've, there's two different screws on my site that'll lock something down and not let you dial up on the other side. Well, as you're going through brush, it's dialing that dial the whole time when you're going forward, right? If you don't have the bottom, uh, the bottom screw locked down where it can't use That's the true. up and down set screw. Yeah. So I finally figured that out. Why? And uh, it's been doing it to me all year. And I'm like, man, how why is this thing doing this thing? So finally I, I went over and called my trusty uh, boys over at Texas Archery, Richard and Joey, and uh, they told me about that set screw. And they said, man, you got to clamp that thing way down when you're going to
4: be yeah, hiking. You can put stuff. bow wax on those things too. Yeah,
2: and uh at the end of the – like I said, at the end of the day, it was just something that I went through. But you got – when you go through something like that, shoot your bow the next morning. You know, so you, yeah. like Joe, Joe and them carry a blunt with them, right, or a judo point. Make sure you're shooting and, and that you, your equipment, after you beat it around a bunch, you take a rough ride in a side-by-side and your equipment got beat up, go shoot your yeah. bow i, you know, I hard ask, cases for transportation. Yeah, he hard cases for I,
4: I want to ask you all, because I don't know if it came across. Did you understand what I meant by not for hunt efficiency, not chasing the rainbow? Did not that come across? For sure.
2: Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah.
4: yeah. I just wanted okay. to make sure, because there's some things that you got to call and say, that's a losing thing. I'm going to move yeah. on to something that's more winning situation. Oh, yeah. So that's something that I want to do for that. Probably the last thing I would tell as is a, is a nugget out there is that I love to call. but <laughs> I think Guys, you you got to know, you know, when you have an animal coming in, when to shut up.
2: This is more sometimes.
4: So, sometimes it's better to be quiet and let them think you're another elk than to keep calling and remove all doubt. <laughs> Does that yeah, sound familiar? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh that's something else, man. Um loud and far calling is not always necessary, and we've already talked about low vocal noises like that. Um so that's pretty much my nuggets there um on that. And I think there were a lot of cool things tonight because there were a lot of areas covered, both you know, um for the animal, for elk hunting, for our philosophy, our feelings on this, and you know, um What we're sharing is as much of a gift as we can give y'all.
2: You know, all of these gifts that or nuggets that we received, muffs, I mean, all of the things that we talked about in the intro definitely uh, are, are something that we want to relay back to our listeners. I mean, hopefully it can keep them from having one of these issues or, you know, in a dire situation, you know. Well, it's uh-huh. going to
1: keep their head up. It's not going to keep them from having the issue. Don't make that claim. It'd be yeah, <laughs> and, yes, and, and, sure, and no, understand keep, that. Keep yeah. yeah,
4: and yeah. and when things do go wrong, um, don't dwell on it, man. Learn from it and move on. Go short to the memory. Next yeah, play. Short memory. Okay? Yeah. short memory. Yeah, I
3: I think is that's what we all are as coaches, and that's what I was going to tell Manano. I wouldn't hesitate if you wanted to go hunt tomorrow, and you invited me. I wouldn't hesitate one bit because. You know what works and what doesn't work. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like, as coaches, we're constantly learning from each other, from our experiences, and you can't, it's invaluable. I mean, you know, it's just one of right. those things.
5: Right.
7: I know it just takes a little longer, but he gets there. Well, with this one was, uh, Close call that, that's why it shocked me. Shocked yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. It was a good shot. Always
2: good to have our crew together here, uh, during the Christmas holidays. Our, this yeah. podcast will come out after the Christmas holidays. So, Joe, uh, I want to wish all of you guys a safe and merry Christmas. Merry I can't Christmas. wait to get you guys down here to somewhere here in Texas or Oklahoma where we can go chase some pigs together and uh stuff like that. It'll, it'll be happening pretty soon, I'm pretty sure. Um these guys are got a pretty cool place set up down there, so we'll uh we'll get at that. Get it there pretty quick. Looking for to a little look, bit of
5: a mice it. issue, but we'll fix it. Uh, <laughs> they don't
2: eat much. It's yeah. around there.
5: <laughs> Not <Darn> enough, <laughs> yeah,
2: for sure, guys. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review so us check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. dot com. Just a reminder: if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show. Just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broadheads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk coming Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Boy. And for all those our out there, here's some more music from our brother Tony Wintrip to close out our
4: show. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Everybody. Merry Christmas. At least not with Take a good look at
6: me. I'll be gone for a while in the backcountry. what peace of mind is destiny. I hit the trail with a pack on my back. Mountain house meals in a baby sack. I'm gone for a while, baby. Take a good look at me. goodbye I made one laugh and I made one cry I'll be missing you and you'll be missing me when you lay your head down at night just know your daddy's safe in the bright moonlight September sky as far as the eye can see See the mountaintop with the highest peak and no backdrop. It's a long way up from here and a long way down.